0: Here we go.
1: Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No,
0: it is not. Previous administration negotiated an agreement with the Taliban. He should be less focused on trying to blame this on someone else than to solving
2: the problem of making
0: sure that we protect and defend American security. This did not happen on our watch.
1: Uh, sorry. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull.
2: And welcome, I am Britt Witterbull. It is Devious Motives, Uh, this is episode number three, uh, this week that we have put out so far, breaking down all the stuff that's going on uh, in the failure of Afghanistan, and there's a ton of stuff out there. Uh, I want to jump right to the beginning, though, of, of earlier today. Where we started to see movement, and and the movement that we started to see that was pretty interesting was the briefing that came out of the Pentagon, John Kirby uh, coming out with uh, General Hall and and talking about logistics and responsibility there. Uh, One of the things that was revealed, and it seemed to be very shocking to the reporters who were assembled there at the Pentagon, was the revelation that we have, are you ready for this? We have aircraft flying over Kabul. And those aircraft are armed. (gasps) What? And so the press that was gathered there to talk at the Pentagon was asking really specific questions like, like, were these are these flyovers that you're doing? Is this a show of force? Is this a show of force to the uh, to the Taliban and Kirby? And. And, of course, the general both said, no, it's actually it's overwatch. They're way up in the sky in case anything happens. uh, They'll be able to uh, help, but they're not buzzing the city of Kabul. We wouldn't want to come off as overly aggressive uh, there in in, in Kabul. We we wouldn't want to be coming off as, you know, unnecessarily, uh, uh, you know, sort of provocative with the with the Taliban. And I have to be honest with you, what's incredible about this and and it's just, it's a remarkable thing to watch play out. I don't know if, if you all have thought about this, but you understand that the same government that has basically blown this whole situation in Afghanistan, and I'm not faulting the men and women in, in, of the armed forces because they get deployed where they get deployed in the numbers that the geniuses at the Pentagon uh, r- decide are, are going to be the proper numbers. So I'm not, I'm not blaming the men and women who are serving on the ground. But understand this, the machine of government that that institution that you have all this faith you're supposed to have in, right? You're told every two, four, or six years, depending on the election, that these people are going to fight for you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to keep you safe and sound. You understand the same government that can't effect an evacuation in Kabul is the same government telling you that you you better get a jab in your arm or you better wear a mask or you better... Uh, shelter in place, you better steal. It, it really, I mean, essentially, you could put Anthony Fauci in charge of Kabul and you could put the people in charge of the Kabul pullout, you know, Jake Sullivan in charge of COVID and you'd probably get the exact same results because we have been conditioned and, and this is the really some of the only editorializing I'm going to do about this. And it's I'm not even like targeting a particular party. We have been conditioned from near birth to believe the government's got all these answers and government doesn't have any, any answers. Do you ever watch people on TV when they go on the cable shows? And again, I don't care if it's Republican. I don't care if it's Democrat. Um, Do you ever watch them and go, gosh, you just seem really dumb. You seem like a dumb human being. That's the government. The government isn't this uh, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-everything institution that can fix everything. The government's a bank. Takes your tax dollars and then distributes those dollars, um, usually in in a horrible way that doesn't seem to comport with anything you want to do. So the point is, it's not like the Pentagon is just, you know, universally dumb or the State Department's universally dumb or the diplomatic corps is universally dumb or or any department uh, HHS. This is just what government is. You have to remember this. And I was told this by somebody much smarter than I. And I It stuck with me. It stuck with me through my entire adult life. Think about the annoying city council person or county commissioner or mayor uh, think think about people that you've met in your life that are politicians okay and and maybe maybe you've kind of got to spend a little time with them and and you say to yourself wow this person is vapid this person is 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 just dumb this person doesn't make good decisions whatever it is and again i don't care about the uh, i don't care about the party it could be a republican could be a democrat here's the thing you don't get smarter as you move up the chain in government. You do, you don't, you don't. It's why, it's why Trump was such a disruptor, right? Because he the first job he ever held in elected office was president of the United States. And that freaked a lot of people out, right? Because he didn't go up the proper chain. He didn't go up the proper, okay, I started as a city councilman, and, and then I was a governor, and then I was a senator, and, and then now I'm the president. I, I went up the chain of becoming the president. Well. What we're seeing play out here in Kabul and in the United States is kind of showing you the limits of what people can do, despite the fact that they're with, quote, the government and President Biden yesterday. So today would be Thursday, the 19th. So yesterday, the 18th, President Biden came out and he made commentary about uh, something very specific. He made commentary uh, about the uh, ideas surrounding uh the booster shot for COVID. He didn't really make any kind of a statement, but for an interview with George Stephanopoulos, which we'll play you some of here in a moment, he, he didn't want to talk about anything but the booster shot and COVID. Decided he was going to go swinging at at, at Ron DeSantis uh, and other governors who he thinks are standing in the way uh, because they will not mandate masks and they will not demand certain behaviors by their citizens, and so they're 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 the bad guys. Even though Ron DeSantis, just for what it's worth, is a is a veteran. he He is, you know, he he's been he, he has served his country as a, as a member of the armed forces. But uh, President Biden went right at Ron DeSantis and said, basically, these governors, they're they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. they're they're making us sicker and less safe. Ron DeSantis had a chance to uh, to reply. this is this will be the nakedly political part of the devious motives collapse of Afghanistan uh, from last night. this is where we have mission creep. And we creep in uh, Afghanistan and the COVID response with the opening of schools. This is uh, this is Governor DeSantis.
0: Not only that, he was on vacation. They had to ply him off of vacation to give a kind of a, a half cock statement on camera. that he said wasn't taking questions. Then he goes back on vacation. And he is obsessed, while you have all the stuff going on with Afghanistan, obviously all the stuff at the southern border, which you and I have talked about, one of the biggest border disasters in the history of our country, inflation, gas prices. And what does he do? He is obsessed with having the government force kindergartners to wear masks all day in school. In Florida, we believe that that's the parents' decision. Joe Biden thinks the federal government should come in and overrule the parents and force these young kids to wear these masks. And you gotta wonder, where are your priorities that you're so obsessed with this issue and so obsessed with taking away parents' rights and you're letting Afghanistan burn, our border burn, and so many other things in our country fall to pieces?
2: Now that may or may not be the best use of time uh, to go back and forth, but uh, I think Desantis has to defend himself in the same way President Biden has to defend himself, and it's a frustrating picture for for the American people to sit here, and 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 to understand that we're trying to get serious results. Last night, you had President Biden sit down for an interview with George Stephanopoulos, a very friendly interviewer, somebody who's great, greatly sympathetic to. Uh, to the messaging uh, direction of the Biden Harris administration more on Harris in a little bit. So you you had you had Stephanopoulos interview uh, Joe Biden, and Stephanopoulos asked him a a couple of different questions. He got he got surly, he got sharp, um, in his responses, you know, essentially saying, you know, I don't want to talk about uh, people falling off the airplanes. That was four or five days ago. And we fixed the airport, and we got to fix the airport. And that's what's going on here." here. Here is here's a little bit of President Biden from Wednesday night talking about the uh, the situation in Afghanistan.
1: No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there is a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing. I don't know how that happens.
2: Now, I'm not somebody who's ever served in the military. I'm not going to second guess the military, but I am a person who has studied enough history to understand there are certain major operations that we have to run. In American history that had to happen, that had to happen. Um, the Berlin airlift comes to mind, uh, we, we were right on the brink of potentially going to a, a hot war with the Russians with the Berlin airlift. We understand what happened with the partitioning of Germany of, of Berlin. Uh, in in you know, in the 1960s, we, we understand all these challenges uh, that exist. And we've had to respond to that. We've had to exfiltrate people In Vietnam, we've seen exfiltrations by other countries, Dunkirk. We've seen this happen a lot. And the idea, and I think what what puts a lot of people off listening to General Milley discuss uh, uh, practices and strategies and that sort of stuff, is this idea that General Milley was so wedded to the intelligence. I mean, just listen to what he said with uh, with, uh, Secretary of Defense Austin. He was so wedded to the intelligence that he believed... Well, we didn't think Afghanistan would collapse. We we didn't think it would collapse, you know, uh, in in a matter of 11 days. We thought it might have been months or years after we left that Afghanistan would would collapse. But if if you thought Afghanistan would collapse at at some point, d- did you assume that all Americans would be out of there, like totally gone, and it would not we would not have a strategic interest in the country? See, I I don't understand this. Well, the intelligence got it wrong. Give me an instance in which the intelligence got it exactly correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the old saying, you hear it all the time, you hear it in movies, you hear it from people on cable shows, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Well, sure, that's true. And the first three reports out of a battle are are always wrong, right? I mean, they're, they're just some of these touchstone ideas that people kind of hang on to. But the idea that President Biden is saying, Well, you know, we knew it was going to be chaotic, man, that's, that's what happens. So was it when they took Kandahar? Was it when they took Herat, which is like a week ago? Was it, was it when they took Mazar-e-Sharif? Like at what point do you say, you know what, maybe we don't want to give up the Bagram airfield. Maybe we want to keep a couple of these airfields operational. Because the narrative we just got, by the way, from from these people who are so smart about the way the pro- policy has got to work out what we've been told is we're going to get who we can get out and get out. We're not going to be able to get everybody out. Uh, yeah, Afghanistan is like the size of Texas. Okay, it's like the size of Texas. So imagine you got some people in El Paso, you got people in Midland, you got someone in Amarillo, you got somebody in Austin and Corpus Christi and San Antonio and Del Rio and Brownsville. You know, and and pretend that all those towns are now occupied by hostile forces. what are we doing? How are we going to uh, remedy this? But that that was the first part of the conversation uh, that aired uh, in part on ABC World News tonight on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, we heard more from George Stephanopoulos interviewing President Biden. And George Stephanopoulos asked him a question about essentially, you know, what's the story with the Well, what's the story with these Taliban guys? I mean, what are you you thinking about these guys? And the president says he thinks the Taliban is undergoing an existential challenge? What, what do you say?
1: Here, check this out. I think they're going through a sort of an existential crisis about, do they want to be recognized by the international community as being a legitimate government? I'm not sure they do. But look, they have- They they care about their beliefs more. Well, they do, but they also care about whether they have food eat, whether they have an income that can make any money and run an economy. They care about whether or not they can hold together the society that they, in fact, say they care so much about. I'm not counting on any of that, but that is part of what I think is going on right now in terms of I, I'm not sure I would have predicted, George, nor would you or anyone else, that when we decided to leave, that they provide safe passage for Americans to get out.
2: Okay, Mr. President, so if we want to drill down into this and we want to say, okay, do they want diplomatic recognition? Do we want, uh, do they, do they want uh, somebody to support them? Do they want any, any of that kind of stuff? Uh, What what is it that's going to induce them to, to work with us uh, to protect ourselves? So let's, let's, let's dive into this and we can use history as our guide here. So I think we have two options. I think we have two options. We have an option wherein we have the Vietnam approach in the aftermath of of the Vietnam War, where we lost 50, 52,000 plus uh, Americans uh, there in that conflict. And eventually, 25 years later, 30 years later, we end up normalizing relations with Vietnam. And uh, we have, a, we have a, a pretty good relationship with them now. And we have a relationship that is so good with Vietnam right now that Kamala Harris is going over there, I guess, to study the root causes of the collapse in Saigon in 75. I don't know what she's doing. She's supposed to be doing the border, but she's going over to Singapore and, and, uh, and Vietnam. So that's one model. And then there's a second model. Here's the second model. And it's already in, in effect. Pakistan controls the Taliban in Afghanistan. And they always have. Uh, The Pakistani ISI is the most vicious intelligence agency in the world. Uh, There are people who believe very strongly that they had a strong hand in many of the massive terrorist attacks that we've seen uh, since 9-11 and maybe even had a potential operational role in 9-11. Pakistan is going to try to figure out a way to carry the the Taliban, right? They're going to support them because the Pakistani government understands that the Taliban are useful for keeping India on on their toes for making India uh, be worried. But there's another model that works for this as well. And it would be the China North Korea relationship. I mean, we, we understand abundantly well and clearly that the 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 DPRK that would be North Korea is totally dependent upon China. They're they really they're only I think there are only three trading partners in the entire world. Uh, in North Korea are China, Iran, and Myanmar It used to be Burma. So, so you have that relationship where you are completely dependent. Well, guess who wants to come in and help out the Taliban? Because they don't really care about human rights violations. It's the Chinese. If the Chinese pull Afghanistan, and the Taliban into their orbit, and they get access to the to the trillions of dollars in lithium and, and rare earths. And I don't want to get too deep into this, but there's a reason why people like Afghanistan for as much of a hellhole as it is. It's got natural resource. Doesn't have oil, but it has been described as the Saudi Arabia of lithium. And you need lithium for the green economy. So, so... If, if Joe Biden is worried about, well, they're going to have to make a decision. The Taliban's existential concern is, can you feed your people? Can you, can you uh, produce uh, jobs for your people? Can you do any of that? They're going to do it with China. China's going to be their best friend. China's been going around the world, East Africa, uh, making inroads into South America. My God. I mean, China, China is everywhere now and they're going to carry the Taliban. We don't have the cookie or the stick or the carrot or the stick, whatever analogy you want me to use, to induce the Taliban to do Jack Diddley or squat. Because guess what? We're 10,000 miles from Afghanistan. Guess who's like 100 miles from Afghanistan? China is. Xinjiang, Western China, they're right there. They can drive in and they can strike a deal and they can take all of our weapons technology, send, send, send our Blackhawks and our technology over to Iran, send it over to China, send it over to, and stuff's all going to get duplicated. And you know that as well as I do. So with, with all due respect to the president of the United States, the idea, well, I think they're the Taliban, they want to feed their people. Well, the China's going to feed them. It's not going to be us. And what will happen is the Europeans will at some point come in and be like, OK, Taliban, let's try to work together. We know you guys are vicious human rights violators, but let's try to work together because we think we kind of have some stuff in common and we'll pay pay lip service occasionally to the rights of women. Speaking of women, speaking of women, um, Biden was asked about the women and he says we can't use the military to protect the women and the girls. We just can't. It just doesn't work that way. George, come on. Here's uh, President Biden on uh, the rights
1: of women. The idea that we're able to deal with the rights of women around the world by military force is not rational, not rational. Look what's happening to the Uyghurs in Western China. Look what's happening in other parts of the world. Look what's happening in the Congo. I mean, there are a lot of places where women are being subjugated. The way to deal with that is not with a military invasion. The way to deal with that is putting economic, diplomatic, and international pressure on them to change their behavior.
2: Okay, so you, here's his position on the women. George Stephanopoulos then turns around and says, All right, let's talk about the fact that here we are coming up on the anniversary of September the 11th, 9 11, and you're going to have the Taliban back in charge. Uh, after 20 years, it's going to be a safe haven, it's going to be a safe harbor for for the bad guys for al qaeda for isis for the taliban this is the president's response to that from george stephanopoulos
1: the taliban are going to be ruling afghanistan like they were when our country was attacked how do you explain that to the american people not true it's not true they're not going to look just like they were when we were attacked there was a guy named osama bin laden that was still alive and well They were organized in a big way that they had significant help from other parts of the world. We went there for two reasons, George, two reasons. One, to get bin Laden and two, to wipe out as best we could. And we did the Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. We did it. Then what happened? began to morph into the notion that instead of having a counterterrorism capability to have small forces there or in the region to be able to take on al-Qaeda if it tried to reconstitute, we decided to engage in nation building, in nation building. That never made any sense to me. It sounds like you think we should have gotten out a long time ago. We should have. And accept the idea that it was going to be messy no matter what. Well, by the way, what would be messy? If we had gotten out a long time ago, getting out would be messy, no matter when it occurred.
2: And 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 still, what I'm what I'm amazed by in all of this going around the mulberry bush with this president is uh, is the fact that he's got harsh words for Desantis, he's got harsh words for Abbott, he's got harsh words for the governors, he's got harsh words for the um, the, the folks who were in the Afghan army, he's got harsh words for all these people. But he doesn't really say nasty stuff about the Taliban, which I think is just kind of strange. We have, what, 10,000 Americans that are stuck in this country right now. Uh, Tom Cotton, guy way smarter than me, uh, came out and said, essentially, look, uh, the problem with all this is, this may not end up being Saigon 75. It may not end up being Dunkirk. It may not end up being uh, the Berlin uh, Wall. It may not, what it may end up being is Tehran, 1979, November 4th, 1979, when militants took our, our people hostage and um, our country was paralyzed for over a year. The upshot was Reagan came into office. The downshot was we took a real hit in world opinion. I'm Brett Winterbull You're listening to Devious Motives, the collapse of Afghanistan.
1: Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull.